That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? So today we're joined uh, by, uh, we've got a special guest, Dr. Becca Marie from Del Mar Center for Behavioral Health and also Del Mar Day Academy. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be talking about culture. It was good. I know we, before we get into culture, I, I, you know, for those listening, she we talked a little bit about trauma and mm-hmm. how she deals with trauma and how I deal with trauma. And it's crazy, you know, as we talk about culture, like, because a lot of these people bringing that trauma into the workplace yes. and that will create the culture. Yes. Yeah, it can definitely change it or affect it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I know Becca uh, through her husband. We surfed together. And then I don't even remember the first time we met, but I felt like we were best friends immediately. Yeah, I think it was medical stuff and pugs. Yeah. And now med- we're thick as thieves. Oh, my Lord. That's right. That's right. Pugs. You own yeah. a pug or something? We, we had three pugs. And I've got point. two. And she's is got that, two. Is that the, uh, what I call it, um, the man in black dog? That's yeah. exactly right. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I love, love, love them. <laughs> you have one still. Two. Mm-hmm. Pair of pugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so Becca and I became, like, very fast friends. Mm-hmm. And I've been to the Del Mar um, Center for Behavioral Health. The, or Which yep. one did I visit? Yeah, so um, both. Um, the They're both in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And the outpatient clinic where you were is actually both buildings. Del Mar Day Academy is a private school for kids with autism and related disabilities but it's a nonprofit, so it's housed within one of the other buildings okay okay because i know yeah you've got mm-hmm. different locations I, the, anyway the building that i was in is amazing mm-hmm. and thank you when i walked in you know i think we've talked about this before just being having gone to so many different units and all that kind of stuff you can walk into a place and feel the culture and feel yeah feel like what is good and you're, or not. Or not, yes, absolutely. But when I walked into your facility, I was like, oh, my gosh. Where, is this, where, like, where exactly is yep. it? Yep, so it is on Station Street over by the hospital. And then the other building is over by um, off Gum Branch by the Angry Ginger and Ducks Bar and Grill. When you say hospital, are you talking about that street that kind of goes in a, in a loop? Behind, exact. Right That's okay, exactly behind. right. By oncology okay, and okay. Um, yep. It ends at Walgreens and then. Yep. Okay. Come visit sometime if you're up there. I am. He's the yeah, way he's driving. And it's like right around the corner. I go to Rita's. You know, mm. ice cream yes, all, the all time. day, so, all day. Yeah. So I need to go stop by over there. I would love that. But Becca, the the culture is what I felt like when I when I walked in. I could feel that the people working there were a family. They were happy to be there and enjoyed what they did. Um, I always say you should try to build the type of culture that nobody could imagine leaving. Yes. And it seems that you've got that. Thanks. What inspired you to, to like, build that type of culture? Um, where to begin? So I am a clinical psychologist and a medical psychologist and a board-certified behavior analyst. I also dropped out of high school. So... Um, I haven't done anything traditionally, and I'm not going to start now at 40. So what that means is that there have been a lot of places I've been that have not been good. 
um, haven't been healthy, and they had a pretty significant negative impact on me. And I allowed it, right? Because it isn't just what happens to me; it's it's how I responded. Um, and then once I sort of turned things around and decided I want to go to school for psychology, because very few people get into it on accident, present company included, and I started working all these places, um, there was such a focus on taking care of our patients but at our own expense. So the things that we know work for our clients and those that we serve or as a behavior analyst, the things that we know work for other people, we don't do for our staff. And so if my top priority is to make sure that patients and families get high quality care, I can only do that if my team is taken care of. And we're in Jacksonville, so people come and go because of the military. And so we need to have them on board quickly and not on board like complete the documents but like come in be part of us quicker um because there's so much change happening and it wasn't that I wanted to start a business it's when we got here um I interviewed a bunch of places and I didn't want to work at any of them wow what were some of the trends of you know you don't have to give names oh I would never but um (laughs) Uh, it's the same stuff that I experienced during my training. It's um, the person at one of my pre-doc internships was in charge of my schedule, and she would say, well, Becca, you're really important, so don't work yourself to death. But she was in charge of my schedule, and she would book me for a 7 a.m. patient and a 7 p.m. patient, and I was driving from Oceanside to Mission Viejo, which is like an hour and some oh, change. Geez. So like, so she was saying I was important, but her behavior didn't match that, and so I didn't feel psychologically safe with her like I thought man I don't know what is actually the rules here because she's saying one thing and doing something different and so I was anxious and I tend to be an anxious person by nature anyways or um we didn't um share lunches together everybody was working so much that you did working lunches at your desk to get caught up on patient notes so then you didn't actually connect with your colleagues so then how likely are you to have social connections or support when you need it you, you aren't. And so these things that we know are important and connected to wellness weren't present for team members. And I thought, well, that sucks. That has to negatively impact patient care. Or how much better could patient care be when we are our best selves because we are part of the facilitators of change? Does that make sense? It makes, it, it, it makes me think about where like, some people will say, like, I'm not here to like you. I'm not here to have be friends with you. You ever heard that before? Yeah, and Some you know leaders, what? I yeah. think that's true to an extent. You don't have to like me. My hair's shaved. It's purple. I'm covered in tattoos. I, 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 You don't have to like me. I will always take care of you, and I need you to know that. So so, so you, I don't have to be and shouldn't be your best pal, um, but I need you to know that I will never let you fall, ever. That's my job, and that you will have the materials you need and the training you need and that I will be behind you. Now, if you mess up, you know, we're, we're going to work through that too. Uh, clear is kind, unclear is unkind, as Dr. Brene Brown says. And it's just, you don't have to like me, but but you, I do need you to know that I will take care of you. And I can only expect you to believe that when my actions align with what I'm saying. But when you, when you bring that attitude, then... They do like you. They do like you. That's what, that's the point. Yeah. Like when you bring that, that, yep. hey, I'm, I'm going to accept you for all that you are. Yes. You know, and whatever it is you feel and believe and all that you bring into this family mm-hmm. uh, at work, you know, how is that like? 
you kind of built the culture. Yeah, there. well, I think that's the parallel process of what we want to do with our clients, right? That you are enough, not when you do this or if you do that. You are enough. We call them cows, conditions of worth, and, and they keep us stuck. And so, so when you feel that, and why would I just provide that to the clients in the room for those 50 minutes? I really try to be that on earth. Um, I can choose to not spend more time with you, and I get to set that boundary, but you are enough. That's fine. And so I think people feel safe, psychologically safe, physically safe. You know, we've got some physically aggressive kids and adults we work with. Safety is so important. And so um, things that we do, it's little stuff. Like I was noticing the plants that you guys have here. We have, I call them um, plantlandia because I like to make up words for things. And so we have lots of plants in the staff areas. Literature shows that plants have a positive impact. I want that. We have these prisms that hang, prisms like, um, I think that's the, the right prism, word for yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they hang in the windows. So when you come upstairs, there's rainbows all over the room. Dude, like it doesn't suck to open at 7 a.m. when you w- walk into rainbows. And we have snacks in the snack cabinet in case you forget your lunch or you just have a bad day and you want a cookie. I just stock it in there. And we have candy dishes and all the cleaning stuff. Are you and hiring? Yeah, come on. <laughs> And it's not those in lieu of the psychological safety. Because I've been seeing all these memes on, like, Facebook and TikTok. I'm only just learning about TikTok. But it's – they're like, oh, if I see one more thing about a pizza party, that's a red flag for me. I think it's because it's a pizza party without the other stuff, right? A pizza party doesn't make a culture. Share a meal together, that – Again, I'm a scientist, so it comes from the literature. There's an intervention called Incredible Years, and it was one of the first manualized treatments for um, high-conflict families. And the parents get together uh, once a week, and they share a meal together and learn. And I get excited. I, like, hear my voice getting louder. And so they share a meal, and it was traditionally marginalized families who didn't have access to a ton of care. So they provided the meal as incentive, um, and they provided child care. What they learned when they compared a group that did the same treatment with the meal and a group that did it without the meal – Without the meal, didn't do as well. There's a that's a culture. That's a you share a meal. I'm Italian, Puerto Rican, right? Like yes. So gosh, I want to provide a meal because that helps build our team. And so it's it's not the pizza. It's what does that represent? And then you got to make sure there's time for people to eat lunches and something silly, but toilet paper. So if you've been to like institutions, there's like institution toilet paper, right? It's like um, tissue paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I better never oh, see one ply toilet paper at any Del Mar. You deserve to have toilet paper that, you know, we're toilet training kids, we're, we have our own bathroom, and it's little stuff that's actually big stuff because your environment sends a message to you about how important you are. Does that make sense? It's got, yeah, and I'm thinking even about, like, just with your own kids, uh, you know, Morgan and I are both fathers, and it's those, sometimes it's the little hugs or it's the little mm-hmm. note in the lunchbox that means way more than yes. this massive Christmas gift. Yes. It's, it's the consistency, though. too, though. It's that you can do a, cup, a bunch of little notes in a lunch pail, but one big Christmas gift is one big Christmas gift. It's that consistency. So we don't have one pizza party. I don't do one check-in with the team. I mean, I'm on site every day, all day, and and I'm available. Like, let's chat. Let's... That's the big piece. Like, and even with when I'm working with my clients, sometimes – I practice this where I'm just checking on them. Like, yes. how are you doing today? And yes. What I've learned, I learned this like years ago, but like 
what is that special person in that person's life? Yes. Check on them too. Yes. You know what I mean? Not, yes. Not, not, you don't have to call like his wife or her husband, but we'll just ask them about them. Yes. Right? How's Shelly doing? How's Abby? Yeah. What's going on? So part of our onboarding for new staff is they complete a list called a reinforcer inventory. It comes from the literature. It's, you know, there's stuff that you like. And we update them quarterly and we keep it in a binder so that if I want to provide a little something extra for you, I'm not just picking some random Starbucks gift card if you don't like Starbucks. I can open that list and see what they like. So like I like black licorice a lot and most people don't. So Folks wouldn't know that, but they can look at my preference list and say, oh, Dr. Becca likes good and plenties. Let me throw one of those in our mail bin. And it shows that they know me and we're thinking about me, not what was easiest for them. And like if I know one of our girls, we have a gal, her name's Miller, and she is a uh, exceptional team member. And um, her husband recently deployed, so she doesn't have him to check on their dog, and their dog is really important to them. And she's done a stellar job. So we got her a gift card for um, doggy daycare for her dog because her longer days at Del Mar, she's worried about her dog. She, you know, was, you know, tearful, and then when I called to pay for it at, Paulville, they were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this. But it's exactly what you said. It's not the gift card. It's that I see what's important to her and I'm acknowledging that she's giving us extra and here's a way to help make that easier. There's a book. Have you ever heard of a book, Giftology? Mm-mm. It talks about I will that, look it up, that actually. emotional response. It's, it's, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a company, actually built a company on teaching corporations how to give gifts. Yeah. Right and mm-hmm. taking those through those um, uh, CRMs where you bring in information, but if you bring in information, you need to use it. So that's the key. Yeah, yeah. And you need to use it, and it talks about and um, I, I do things for my for my clients all the time. But one just had a, a, a twenty seventh wedding anniversary, mm. so I sent her instead of sending her something that was my brand or something like that, yes. I sent her something that she enjoyed. She she loves to cook. She's always cooking. So I sent her a cutting board with her husband and her name on it, and so, so they can think about. Yes. Said, so when you create that and you do it for them, like you, it ultimately comes back. Well, it's, back it, to you. It's yes. all relationships. It's a relationship. Like that's a real relationship when you know what somebody else enjoys or appreciates. Some people want to be recognized in front of other people. Some don't. And some don't. I mean, you know, Shelly. And we like, ask, a, that's part that's of right. the other inventory we do is about values. Um, comes from ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, which is the type of practice that I generally do. And it's that when you are living a value-aligned life, you are healthy and well. And that's those values. So if one person likes that public praise and we provide that, but somebody else doesn't and I do it, I actually have just taken this big withdrawal out of that relationship bank account and shown that person I don't know them. Gosh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm sure I've done it Can inadvertently. Because like, I, like, I like giving. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy. I really, really enjoy giving. I really enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's something else there. But like, I don't. I don't really like getting it. I don't. I think it comes down to love languages. Yeah, I don't right? like getting it. I don't like. Just don't. Oh, what you want? I don't want anything. I yeah. just mm-hmm. be left alone. Actually, <laughs> you yeah. know. But I really, I want to help you. What can I do for you? I, I don't know. Is that is there? Is there some there where it's like? Um, could it be like some? I don't know. What am I? Maybe I, am I trying to prevent something? Are you open to feedback? 
I'm always on the feedback. Um, yes. So I'm asking. This and this is, is a desert grain of sand, yeah. so please know that. Yeah. Oftentimes when we've been in leadership mm-hmm. positions, and oftentimes we have been leaders before we've been in leadership positions, right? Um, we become, we enjoy it. That's how we are in the world. But we become so used to that pattern that that becomes automatic, that receiving feels uncomfortable. Very. And we are programmed to avoid discomfort. So that's all it is. It just, it's like a muscle that you've not used. And so it's sore and you didn't realize it. It's not a bad thing either, but it does show a, a growth edge that that's not comfortable for you. So I could grow. So, so there's probably many people listening to this that have the same thing because we're like, yep. it's a leadership podcast, it is. right? And so what, like, how do you work through that? Like, cause I, if it's, if when you say growth now, it's like, okay, now more you need to, you can do, you can change. It's a challenge. This. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? First it was like, oh, okay, I get it. Then you said, well, it's growth. Ah, okay, I get what you just did there, right? Thanks. And so like, what, like, what, how do I facilitate that growth? So great question. Um, so first you have to decide if you want to, because it's okay to not. We always have that choice. Uh, don't try to grow all the things. That was, that if was powerful this, right there. Like, it's okay if you don't. Oh, yes. Look, I curse a lot, and I don't want to change it. I really like to curse. I'm not going to on this podcast. I feel my feelings really big, and those words are just, ah, I just am stoked on things. Um, I don't want to change that. I will be thoughtful about it in certain areas, like, and I don't want to offend anyone. If somebody says it's offensive, I, I will tone it down. But I want to change that. You know, so, so yeah, don't try to change all the things. Um, so if you want to, I would say, um, first I would say, you know, Morgan, you know how it feels for you when you give someone a gift, like that cutting board, and they were so stoked, and you saw on their face that you knew them, and they knew you knew them and thought about you. By us not receiving or when we don't receive, we rob others of that opportunity to feel that feeling you felt, and you want that for others. So when somebody gives you a gift, you just say, thank you. I love this. Thanks for thinking of me. And you keep it moving. And then your brain will be like, you don't deserve this, or why is this doing this, or I'm feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like a bad husband now. Mm-hmm. I get the same way with compliments. I, it's so hard that's for a me key, to and that's giving. Yeah. So my mom used to. My mom was a counselor, um, and my dad was a veterinarian, and my sister's a veterinarian, and I'm a, a psychologist. So we can unpack that another day. But my mom <laughs> used to say, "Just say thank you and shut up. Just say thank you and move on." I've had to actively be more active or deliberate about that me because too. I would normally deflect. Oh, oh this old thing. Yeah. Oh, I barely even did this. You yeah. did all the work. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the team and, and you know, which is very true, but there's also that piece again of just saying, well, thank you. You know, and um, both are true. It's a dialectic, not a dichotomy, right? So it's not that you did the work or the team did the work. It's that you did the work and the team. So you all deserve that praise, reinforcement, whatever. But I think as leaders, we are taught that it's bad or I'm not being a good leader if I hold some of this pride, recognition. I should be giving it all away. But when we do that, we are modeling for our team how to not take it. And a leader's job is to create other leaders, right? And so if they want to be leaders. And so we want to model for them how to Hold that positivity to oh, – positivity is not, not the right word. Hold that goodness and reinforcement 
because as we know, when you move up, whatever move up means, we experience ratio strain. It's a, uh, basically that uh, you don't get as much positivity, right? So I own our business. I generally hear when people are unhappy, not when things are going well. But I want my leaders that are coming up behind me to hear the good things, not let's, that. Oh, let's talk about Yeah, please. Oh, man, I'll follow you. Sorry. Racial strain. Yes, that's behavior analytic uh, language. So as No, a, I like it. There's some good language because, I mean, it, it talks. Because I say this a lot. Was when, you, when, you, when you first started the military, right, you, everybody's like, can I help you? What do you need? I'm going to yeah. take care of you. I mean, let's pay your bills. Let's do this. Come mm-hmm. with me. I'll walk mm-hmm. you over here. And then you move up and they're like, you, you should it. know by now. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, I'm human too, so I need yes. help just like everybody else. Yes. But you then you feel it, it's like a cycle. It is. It is. Lord have mercy. Just thinking about it out loud, it's like a cycle because like you you we're not preventing them from feeling this way. We just we we we, we facilitate it even more by by our actions. Yes. It's like no, I'm good. It was you. Um, oh, Racial strain. Mm -hmm. Racial strain. Can you break that down some more for us? I would love to. So uh, (laughs) we receive reinforcement, which is, let me back up. So there's reinforcement and punishment. Reinforcement is um, something that happens after you do something that causes you to do that more, right? So um, you guys have been super kind. Jody sent me uh, really detailed instructions about how to get here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come back, right? So those behaviors that you all did increase the likelihood of me wanting to come back or wanting to engage with you all. Now, that's reinforcement. Let's say Jody didn't send anything to me. I got lost. I wasn't able to pick the day or time that worked for me. That's punishing. I'm going to be like, mm-mm, I probably don't want to come back, right? So we receive reinforcement and punishment all around us um, at different ratios, Ratio strain is when you used to have something on a high schedule of reinforcement. So I was getting paid, let's say, every week. Then I get a new job and I get paid every six months. That's a strain. So I'm doing the same work or more, but I'm not getting enough reinforcement to keep me going. Then you start to see performance decrease, mental health decrease. It's too much. It's it's too much for not enough, often enough. And I think so that's it sounds a, like a, it sounds like marriage. What when, when it starts to deteriorate? So that so in couples therapy, which I do not do, um, but that's what it is. Is you start saying, man, how do you get back to that earlier schedule always of reinforcement? That's that's dating. it. That's it. So in, in life, and always be creating. A stronger relationship with the person. And in our culture at work, so I love I that you used that example that, yeah. of when first somebody comes in and you're like, how are you? What do you need? Even you guys talked about it when I think you started working where Jody worked and you walked by his office and he was like, hey, bro, what's up? And, you know, like people are doing that at the beginning, mm-hmm. but they stopped doing that. That's a problem. So so you got to keep checking in on your team. So at Del Mar, every week, everybody in our organization gets an email saying, hey, it's time for our weekly work check-in on a scale of 1 to 10 as it relates to work. How was your week? 1 being you stepped on a Lego and 10 being fresh baked cookies out of the oven. Every week. And so we get that number and we track it over time. So if I see somebody's rating like a six for two or three weeks in a row, I mean, I need to check in with them. If they're rating tens, we're doing good. And so we aggregate that data across our whole company. So July 
and um, November tend to be our lower months, our months where staff aren't feeling as great, which is not a surprise because PCS season is June, so July is sort of uh, adjustments. And then November, my guess is that people are gearing up for the holidays and there's just a lot of anxiety. We've got eight years of data, so in July and December, we have thicker schedules of reinforcement for staff. We do self-care challenges. We do more catered lunches because we use the data to see they're needing more during these times as a group, but then we also can look at it individually. So for leaders out there, Becca, what – because I was amazed walking around your facility. Sweet. Oh, the environment you, sounds, I can't wait like for that, you to that, visit. That yeah. in itself, like you, you know when people are going to have hard times, so you prepare – the hard times and you 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 help them through it you show them that you're there for them that they're not alone and that's what you said just earlier you said crm which i'm not sure what that means but i know it's data and you got to use it you got to use the oh okay you got to use the data don't collect it and sit on it so i'm a behavior scientist as a behavior analyst we collect data on our kids we serve kids with autism the active duty service folks i see i have them rate their their feelings on a suds subjective units of distress scale um my i see two olympians who live in this area for some like cognitive coaching and we do biofeedback we're taking data what's your heart doing what's your skin galvanization how are you feeling let's take that data to say if we're doing well or not and if we are let's keep doing it and if we aren't well, cool, let's come up with something different. It's all written in pencil. So, I mean, I, I don't know you were about to ask the question. Well, the question I was going to ask before we get too far down a, another rabbit hole is... Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, I just great. love this. Yeah, it's oh, great. Oh, I got some more. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, um, or for our listeners out there, there yeah. are leaders that are trying to instill and build a better culture in their mm-hmm. organization. What are some initial steps they can take? I love that. So... Um, it's a lot easier than you think. So you can spend a ton of money and hire a consultant. I do consulting for other organizations. But I don't think you need me necessarily. you, you got to listen and look. So there's something called a culture walk. You can Google it. There's free templates. And it basically, and you probably won't be able to you, the proverbial you, if you are the owner, you probably can't do it um, because it's emotion. There's emotion there, right? Have other people walk through your organization and complete these forms. It looks at um, the environment. So uh, how much space is allotted to who? That tells you what you value, right? So I do not have an office. I have, we have a bunch of desks out with everybody else. Um, we're all around. I am no more important than anyone else. We have a room in our upstairs staff suite that's a room for, like, um, it's a quiet space. So we have a lot of military-connected spouses who are often of childbearing age. So we have a really nice pumping room for them or a meditation room or we have our own bathroom. So it looks at where you've allocated space. It looks at the cleanliness and organization of that space, the materials. So it really is just walking around your environment and then collecting data, and then that data tells you about what it looks like you prioritize. And if it aligns with your goals, cool. And if you look at that and you're like, man, I, that's not what I want it to say. Do something different. Like I realized this one we had been – Hiring is tough in Jacksonville um, for professional-level positions because I generally have people for two years. And we had been looking for this position and looking and looking. We finally found someone, and I wanted her to, like, stay as long as possible, be as happy as possible, and she had her own office. Nobody else has their own office. And I was like, well, dang, 
no wonder people are feeling some kind of way about her. I've showed her favoritism unintentionally, but I did. So I got to change trying it. trying to make her feel wanted. Yes, but, 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 other were but I, by make, yeah. so that's the, the tricky thing about humans, right? So I want her to feel welcome, not at anybody else's expense. Um, and I did. And so then when you notice that, you own it. You say, hey, I did this. Sorry, guys. Here's how I'm going to fix it. Um, and so culture walk and then interviews. So like 360 feedback, I think you've talked about before. So feedback in a circle. So, um, everybody gives everybody feedback, do an anonymous Google form, survey monkey, something like that. And just send out questions to your staff, make sure it's anonymous and then see what they say. How are they feeling? What are the things? There's a couple questions I love, uh, from a friend of mine, Shannon Biagi, who says, what should we never stop doing? What should we start doing and what should we never do? Those three questions to teams will often get you a lot of information. And then listen to what they say. Like, and it's little like, um, what was it? Oh, uh, a microwave. So we have a upstairs and a downstairs. And there was a microwave upstairs. And it would have never occurred to me to get a daggone microwave downstairs. But in doing this, somebody had said, oh, actually a handful of people said how annoying it is to have to go upstairs to use the microwave and come back down. And it's just like really... It, it's really something that aggravates them and makes their breaks less enjoyable. Cool, I spent 30 bucks and got a new microwave. You know what the crazy part is about that? And I'm thinking, because that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? That makes total sense. But there's, there's always this one person in the environment that says, like, oh, you just want it to be easier. Or you, I mean, you're looking for a shortcut or, you know, they try to minimize um, what somebody else feels will maybe be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. harder for them in their generation or where they used to be mm-hmm. was the culture uphill yeah, to up, school yeah. both ways yeah. in like the snow. The yeah, like no, how about we how about we pace the hill? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I, you know that's what we were taught. Like to tack the hill, to tack the hill. I was like, you get older, you start thinking like tacking the hill. That sounds like that sounds like suicide. Yeah. How about we strategically like move up it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And we yeah. can prevent other things from happening. Have you ever had people within your your organization that fight back? Yeah, and and I, I'm happy to own my stuff too. That sometimes I'm one of those people that I'm like, well, I had to do this or I had to do that. Okay, so great. I hope people have it better than me. I gotta need, I gotta work on my own stuff. That's what that says to me. If I'm feeling like, um, so if I have five dollars and then you guys get five dollars. But I'm kind of pissed that you guys have $5, but I also have $5. I need to figure something else is going on. Listen to what they're not saying. Because I should not be upset that you guys have what I already have. So, so usually that's a conversation. And I, I like the language of listen to what they're not saying. So it's, um, I hear that that microwave purchase didn't feel like a good use of our resources for you. You're an important part of this team, and I, I want to understand more about that. And as they start talking, usually it's that learning history that they had to earn their spot in this way. And there's a fear, most things come down to fear, that if folks start doing it different, that that person's learning is no longer valid and they're going to be not a part of this. My therapist taught me about fear. Yeah. It's called uh, false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Don't was, believe everything you think. Yeah, that's I use it all the time when I start, it's not real, it's not real. It hasn't even happened yet, so you can't even, you know, mm-hmm. we, we think something may occur, but it doesn't mean it's going to occur. And when we hear anger, um, you know, the anger iceberg, it's like the anger is what's on top, and that's what you see. But the big part of the iceberg is the undersides or the under the water part, 
And it's always, 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 and I hardly ever say always, things that are vulnerable emotions. So fear, anxiety, um, embarrassment, shame, guilt that we cover up with anger. And so when you can understand and label the real feeling, it's a deflation, right? So it's not, you seem mad. It's, yeah, it sounds like you're feeling worried that if we start doing things a new way that you might not fit here. And you always fit here, Morgan. You always fit here. Mm. That brings up something for me. I was thinking about onboarding as you were saying that. As you bring people into your, mm-hmm. your, the culture that you've built so well, mm-hmm. how do you onboard people in a way that, you know, and this could go for any leader out there that's yeah. bringing people in. How do you onboard you know, people we, to make sure they're a part of the culture? When we talk about onboarding, what are we talking about? Like a new hire. Like yeah, hiring somebody's coming members? into the family. Um, so I, I noticed you've said family a couple times and I noticed myself having an emotional reaction to that because I actually really don't like that language for, for workplaces because then people sometimes feel like they can't leave or that they have to accept some of these patterns that are maybe unhealthy in their family life. Like you can't leave your family or, I don't know, sometimes that just is a loaded word for folks and so... I use the word team a lot. Okay. Um, and maybe other folks don't. I don't know. Family just comes with so much guilt for so many people that that's just a, a hard term for me. But so when – so f- the first thing is we have a really long hiring pr- interview process. Um, even our entry-level folks, it's a three-interview process. Um, I see – and I'm actually not part of the interviews for our entry-level folks because I'm not a good picker. I tend to pick people for those positions that I see their potential. And sometimes what makes me a really good psychologist makes me a crappy business owner. And um, my team will pick the folks that they want to work next to. They're not picking for potential. They're looking for who's going to pull weight next to them. So I just said, hey, I'm kind of sucking at this. Why don't you guys do this without me? And then it's a multi-stage interview process. And... I see my job as to protect our team. So if there's a split, it's probably a no for us. Like we are really selective about who we bring on from a emotional labor standpoint, but also we spend a lot on taking care of our team. And so financially it's very expensive to bring on a new member who's not going to work out. So we try to be really thoughtful about who we bring on and it's really not about what they know. I'm really, we're good at teaching people things, the content of our job. What we look for are those values. For us, it's discretionary effort, which means taking care of the person next to you. Um, Ongoing education, so always learning. Community engagement, so the community within and outside the walls at Del Mar. And then um, wellness, so they're taking care of themselves. And so we are actively assessing for those four things, which is also measured in that bonus card that you saw, which is a, a way of providing extra reinforcement for staff who engage in value-aligned behavior. And we've spoken a lot about you as a leader, how you bring people into the team or when they come in, the things that, that you're doing to instill that culture. How does it work with the rest of the mm. team? So I appreciate that question because it actually isn't me. So I set up the systems. As you guys know, companies live and die on their systems. And so um, I, it isn't me. It's that the people that we have been promoted 
live aligned with our values. So they know what Del Mar does. And so if they see a broken bin, they're going to pick it up because that's what we do at Del Mar. And if there's a new team member, they're going to welcome them because that's what we do at Del Mar. And those behaviors have been highly reinforced because we all have the responsibility to uphold this environment we've created. So, so I mean, we don't have any dead weight. I mean, we, we don't. There, if any person leaves, it is a loss. I mean, it just is because we are really intentional about cultivating our team. So it is really not me. It's it's them. Yeah, I wonder, and I was going. That's it leads to the question. I was wondering, like, how successful is the process? Like, I know people are like, like oh, does that work for everyone? Can it work for everyone? Has it always worked for you? Like, and how long has it taken you to figure all this out? Um, I'm still figuring it out. We okay. still make changes all the time. Everything's written in pencil, right? I think one of the worst things we can hear is when somebody asks you why you've done it this way and you say, because we always have, well, that's a problem. Entrenched that's mindset. a problem for yeah, me that's a huge because problem. Yeah. we are in science and, and consumers of science, science changes. We better change along with it. And so I think that's the key for leaders is flexibility. Like, I'm firm in my values. Those aren't going to change. But the way I embody them or carry them out is going to change because environments change. And so I think it's always an active process. Maybe that's it. It's always an active process. It's not like we talk about our values at onboarding and once a year. It's embedded in everything we do. And so we're always staying aligned and we're always evaluating it and changing it and asking for feedback. So I don't know that it's ever a done process. And I think that's where folks sometimes get stuck is if I have the right process or the right system, it'll go smoothly. But balance is an active process. It's like surfing. So when you pop up on that wave, you don't stand rigid and then just ride the wave. You you get lower and lean right and left and forward and you're actively moving to stay balanced because the only thing constant is change and so we can't be static it's got to be dynamic so i make lots of mistakes i own them keep it moving and try and do better so with 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 the process uh, you're doing the 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 physical the mental and emotional investment Mm-hmm. There's a you said you can, this programs can be implemented because sometimes as you say you did at two times during a year you actually facilitate like more programs more outreach to your 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 team. What is there a budget like? Is there a certain percentage of what you do that you set aside just for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if so, like what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so we're a business and yeah. businesses have to be profitable to exist. Um, Our accountant is lovely, and she is always looking for ways to maximize our profit. I look at it a little different. So I spend a lot on toys and materials. She always, every quarter she tells me it's too much. And I spend a lot on staff reinforcement. Every quarter she tells me it's too much. Too much for who, right? So, so... Because I get to make those decisions, I can decide how much profit is enough and for us to exist and to be a viable business. Um, I, I don't I am okay with me making, let's say, ten thousand dollars less a year if that uh, means I've got happier staff, healthier staff, and we're retaining staff. So it's it's that at what cost? I'm okay with making less in order to have folks who enjoy being at work have better patient outcomes. So it's 
it does come at a cost. And I had to sit down and look at what cost is okay for me because I'm a sole owner. So, um, I mean, really the decisions are, are mine, which is nice. Um, but we do we are less profitable, I'm sure, than others. I also don't pay myself an exorbitant salary. I make sure to well, I mean, we're in mental health, so exorbitant and we, you know, work with TRICARE and Medicaid. So I mean it just is what it is. Um but my husband surfs, we have a nice house, we have two pugs. Man, I'm good. I'm good. Like I don't need what do I need? Tattoo appointments? I got Botox. I splurged and got Botox for my 40th birthday. Like, I'm doing fine. Our staff's doing fine. Like, I don't – what am I going to do with the money anyways? We also donate a good percentage of our um, – that's it's not tithing because it's not to church, but it is important to me to give back. And so we donate a good chunk of our uh, profits every year anyways. So – it's just money. What do you want to do with it? I don't want to sit on it. You know, so I, it does come at a cost. It also comes at a cost to not spend it on your team. Does that make sense? It makes total sense because, yeah, <laughs> like I'm telling you, you know. when you walk into this place, it's, you just feel it. You're like, people wake up and think I get to go to work instead of I have to go to so work. So I just got a text message when we sat down. You probably saw my phone zizzle. It's for a girl, Kelsey, who, um, Moved to Tennessee, uh, you know, her, her her husband's Navy, actually. Um, and I had posted something on LinkedIn for her. She's starting a new position, and she really did a great job with us. And so I posted, like, just a recommendation for her. And she, you know, the tear face where, it, like, the, the tears go like this on the emoji. And she was like, you know, thank you so much for doing that. I'm not even there, and you're still thinking of me. And like, yeah, man. I mean, when you create relationships, they don't just go away. They shouldn't. I'm not going to see you every day, but you're still important to me. It's like when people put in their notice to leave, which happens a lot, not because people leave to go other places. Usually it's because they're PCSing. And um, I don't ever want to guilt you about it. you got to go, man. I'm not going to – even if they were leaving to go somewhere else, I'm not going to guilt you. A good goodbye is as important as a good hello, right? So, like, there's no I – mean, See you when you get back. Well, because you only yeah. want the best for that person. Truly. Like always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good goodbye is just as important as a good hello. Well, as we start bringing it to a close, which I hate to do, I know, right? That's the problem with having the clock in here now. Because sometimes you think, like, oh, we don't have enough time. Then he's like, okay, we need to cut it. But, like, now I don't really care about the clock because I'm learning some <laughs> stuff. We'll, we'll definitely have Becca back. I'd be happy to. Um, I do have two kind of final questions. Of course. And, you know, they're, they're your typical questions. If you were to give advice to a leader who's trying to build good culture, what is the one thing you would say is the most important to start? And then what is the one thing to avoid? Um, I think something important is to watch your team, listen to your team, like notice what's happening around you. That's going to give you all the data that you need. Um really creating those open feedback loops without retaliation, you know, and, and to be prepared to read some hard stuff. I mean, I, you know, look, everybody at Del Mar is not happy with me all the time. I make difficult decisions. We've fired people. We have write-ups. I mean, it's not that, you know, so I was able to grant the microwave. Somebody wanted something else, I can't provide that. So it's, 
I had one of my early business coaches told me that I'm not going to make everybody happy. I'm not ice cream. And I have to remember that. Like, you're going to hear tough feedback. If there's a kernel of truth in there, take that, let the other stuff roll. But the goal isn't to make everybody happy. It's to keep everyone healthy and well. So I think just listening and watching the little stuff matters, which means you can't be in your office all the time. Um, you, can't, you, you can't be in your office all the time. Well, so like for us, we've got patients and uh, I, mean, I can't sit in there all the time. And what would be the one thing to avoid? One thing to avoid. Don't expect you from other people. That is... And and not because people are less than you. They're different than you. And so sometimes there's things I rock at that um, some of my team members don't. And it just – and there's things they rock at that I don't. And so where I get stuck sometimes and get frustrated is I expect somebody is going to do what I would have done. Why would – I mean, why would they? Don't expect you from other people. I love that. Thanks. I'm sure I didn't make it up. See, I just did what I told you guys, say shut up and move on, right? And I was like, thanks. Oh, I'm sure I didn't make that up. Yeah, well, okay, I just said it. I mean, people say it a lot of different ways. Like, yes. you know, you're going to give 100%. If you can get somebody that can at least give you 50 or 40, you're still doing well. Just don't let your, don't let your pride dictate um, how you receive them. You know, or your ego. Yeah. Well, because maybe their 50% is better than my 100%. Like, I, it's not just don't expect them to work as hard as me. No one ever will. It's your business. But them being doing it different than me doesn't mean it's not as good. Maybe they're on to something that I missed, but I'm mm-hmm. on one because I right. thought it had to be this certain way, like being rigid and and I, and I can't be. And sometimes it is that you're going to work harder, and you should. It's your practice. You're the leader. That's why... You know, that's That's why you decided to do what you knew you were going to do the hard work. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you being on with us today. How can people get in touch with you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I have a pretty active Facebook, um, both for our business, Delmar Center for Behavioral Health, Delmar Day Academy. I'm just learning about TikTok, so Dr. Becca Tag. Um, I don't know. Go to Surf City. You'll see my husband. He'll lead you to me find pugs i'm usually near wherever pugs are so oh my goodness awesome well thanks again so much for being with us yes thank you a lot you you will be back i look forward to it immensely awesome well that uh that wraps it up for another episode of that l word everybody and we will be back to for the next episode so keep listening um you know watch the clips and let us know what you like what you don't like and please leave us a review and Four, five, six stars, however many stars it allows you to pick on your platform. And we would love to hear from you. All right. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. See you later. Bye.